Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Places. Grab a couple verses elsewhere. The, the verse I want to look at is in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 17, specifically. But before we go there, I want to read a couple verses here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and uh, we'll, we'll actually start there in verse number 1 and read about 11 verses here. Are you glad you're saved this morning? Amen. Well, Brother Paul, I, I'm not saved. I've got good news for you. Today can be the day that that changes. In fact, I'd say that if you've never been saved... You need to forget about anything else that's going on, Amen. and you need to start thinking about how you can get saved. Amen. There's nothing more important than knowing that you're saved. There's also nothing more blessing, more, more blessed, more, more uh, encouraging, more peaceable, more helpful than knowing that no matter what happens here, you've got a home in heaven waiting for you over there. Amen. This weekend at the men's conference, I, I know we, we've already talked a lot about that, and I'm going to preach here in just a second, but we had a gentleman by the name of Brother Noah Broughton come and preach to us. Uh, he pastors in Somerset, Kentucky, and uh, I think he said he pastored for 54 years. Uh, he recently has stepped down as now a pastor emeritus, which means he's there uh, in the church still helping, but he's no longer the senior pastor because he is quite old, in his 80s, and his wife has Alzheimer's. He had stepped down to help take care of her. And he drove an hour and then drove, or an hour and a half more or less, and then drove an hour and a half back in the dark to come and be with us and preach to us. And um, if the God of heaven is big enough for him, he's big enough for me. Uh, I, I spoke recently in the church about my memo when she had Alzheimer's, and that was hard for me. Uh, I remember that. And it was really hard for my mom uh, and her, her siblings I can't imagine what he's going through right now. And when he stood there and preached to us, let me tell you, he preached with joy. In fact, the Spirit of God was so strong on him that I just sat there and cried through most of the preaching. He preached on the faith of Abraham. And I'll tell you what I saw. I saw the faith of Abraham in Brother Noah Broughton. And I thought, God, he said God was with me when I started in this thing. And he said, now I've pastored 54 years and now I'm, I'm not pastoring anymore and I don't really know what's going to happen. He said, my wife is sick and my life is in a, in a different... He said, really, I'm back where I started. But if God was big enough for me then and he helped me then, I know he'll help me now. What a testimony that is. Amen? You see, the thing is, this is all real. I think sometimes we wonder, don't we? Sometimes doubt comes in, does it not? Is it worth it? Is it really all going to be worth it in the end? It says that the glory that shall be revealed in us won't be worthy to be compared with the things we suffer over here, but is that true? Amen. When I see men like him stand up and I see him right in the middle of his suffering, 
with the joy of the Lord all over him, I, I understand something very clearly. Oh yes, this is real. My God is real. He's the answer to my prayers. Amen? And that what the song says? He's help in our time of need. That's what he is, isn't he? So this morning as we read these verses, I want you to understand something. We're talking about a real God. We're not talking about a form of religion. We're not talking about a mantra, kumbaya, meditation, give yourself a little feel better and go on. I'm talking about a God who is in heaven, who is on his throne, who is concerned with what's going on down here, and who is with us. A real God. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 1, Paul writes, But I determined this with myself, that I would not come again to you in, see that word right there, heaviness. For if I make you sorry, who is he then that maketh me glad? But the same which is made sorry by me. And I wrote this same unto you, lest when I came I should have sorrow from them of whom I ought to rejoice, having confidence in you all that my joy is the joy of you all. Verse number four. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. And when he said I wrote unto you, he's talking about 1 Corinthians. And he's going to refer to some things that he said in that first letter. Verse 5, but if any have caused grief, he hath not grieved me, but in part that I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many, so that contrariwise, you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore, I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him, for to this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also less. Uh, for if I forgive anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Verse 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Proverbs chapter 17. Go ahead and turn over to Proverbs. I'm going to read you two verses there. Proverbs chapter 17, verse number 22. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul is referring back to some things that he told them to do in 1 Corinthians concerning a man who was caught up in public knowledge of fornication. He was committing a wicked sin, which Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, was, which was the only sin against your own body. And he told them that that man, that they needed to literally put him out from the church and turn him over to the devil for the destruction of the flesh. He said there were some wicked, wicked, wicked things going on with that particular man and it was public knowledge and he was unrepentant of it and they needed to deal with him harshly because of it. So in chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians, he's telling them sufficient is the punishment. I've heard enough of the punishment that happened that this man has suffered and he is repenting and he said, I want you now to forgive him lest he is overcome with much sorrow. He's overtaken. He, he's a castaway. In Proverbs chapter 17 and verse number 22, I was reading some time back in just my morning devotions and I read this verse and it leapt off the page at me. And it's one that we've heard so many times and we quote half of it all the time. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And I say amen. When things are, when things are tough and you know maybe you're, you're worried about some things, you know what's going on? Being around people you love and a smile and laughter and joy can help heal some of the difficult things in life, right? Right? 
and that's a fact. But what I want to focus on is the second part of this verse, which we often gloss over. I've never really paid strong attention to it, if I can be honest. In fact, I text my dad, who's been preaching through the book of Proverbs for it feels like 10 years now, over at New Water on Wednesday nights. I don't know how many messages he's gone through. And I said, hey, send me your notes on Proverbs 17.22. And he did, and it was just three simple points, and he kind of just brushed over it. He said, I guess I just, I guess I dropped the ball there on that verse. I said, I don't think so. I said, it really, it's just, it's never struck me either, the second part of this verse. But in my reading, the Lord grabbed my heart with this statement, a broken spirit drieth the bones. Now, that's a weird thing to say. I've never said, my, but my bones feel dry today. <laughs> that's a strange thing to say. Now, obviously, our language is a little different from theirs, but, but even throughout the Bible, you'll, you'll see things talking about the bones here and there and, and different things. But, but that's just a kind of a, an odd statement and it struck out at me about that, that statement that a broken spirit drieth the bones. And as I was reading on in the next chapter, in chapter 18, just a page over, in fact, not even a whole page over in my Bible, just right here in the corner, it said the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. Now that right there is similar to what is said in the first part of Proverbs 17, 22, where it says that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. He's saying the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. Medicine is what you take when you're sick, right? And that medicine in Proverbs 17, 22 is the laughter, the merry heart. Well, in Proverbs 18 and verse 14, it's our spirit. And what he's saying is a uplifted spirit, a joyful spirit, a strong spirit will sustain your infirmity. When things are hard, when you're suffering, when you're sick physically or or when you're going through something mentally, a strong spirit will sustain you, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? In Proverbs 17, Solomon calls it a broken spirit. In the next chapter, in chapter 18, he calls it a wounded spirit. This morning I want to talk about this thought concerning the peril of a wounded spirit. You can read all about these things in the Bible and you can go and you can read, in fact, about many different people in the Bible, their lives, and how they endured something much like this. And first, I want to show you the diagnosis of a wounded spirit. What exactly is a wounded or a broken spirit? Or, or what causes it? How can we identify someone who has a wounded or a broken spirit? And I'll give you a couple simple things and some verses <clears throat> that will help us understand that, but... As we're doing that, as we're going through this, I want you to ask yourself this question. Is that me? Is this me? Do I have a wounded spirit? Last night as we closed out the men's conference, Brother Josh England preached, and he talked about that wounded, he didn't use that phraseology, but he talked about the heaviness, and he gave some, he kind of bared his heart about a very difficult trial that he and his wife just went through. In fact, it was the week, uh, week before New Manus camp meeting, that all that went down that he was talking about, and he hadn't really talked about it, that, that they had, they had, uh, she was with child, and, and she went in for a regular checkup, and there was no heartbeat. And they'd already had their ultrasound and everything, and she was, I think, over 10 weeks along. And uh, it was just a very difficult thing. And he, gave, he bared his heart about that, and how that, that heaviness that we, we bear it sometimes, don't we? Paul said that, didn't he, when, in 2 Corinthians, he's talking about his heaviness. He said, I want to come to you with heaviness. I, I want to come to you with joy. He said, because some of y'all got heaviness right now, and if my heaviness is heavy and your heaviness is heavy, then how are we going to encourage each other? Here I am, and the Lord put this thought on my mind as Brother Josh was preaching last night, and I'd already been looking at this verse some, and 
and kind of knew this is where the Lord wanted me to go this, this morning. And, and as we're looking at these verses, we see the, the diagnosis of a wounded spirit. First, we can see its characteristics. Let me put it to you like this. A wounded spirit settles itself down in what we would call our hearts. Now, when we say the heart, we're not talking about that organ that pumps the blood through our body when we're talking about feelings. We talk about our, our heart as the organ that we associate with our feelings. Just wait here in a few months. It'll be Valentine's Day, and there'll be pink and, and red and purple hearts all over the place. And that's not even what a heart looks like. But we associate that with our feelings. In fact, in the Bible, you'll read sometimes we'll talk about the word bowels, and that's kind of funny because we associate that with something totally different. But in the Bible, that's referring to their feelings. And you can see that it's the heart, and it's, it's deep in us. And a wounded spirit is something that is primarily emotional. It's a wound that is primarily emotional. You understand? It produces, in its characteristics, we see that it produces a sorrowful heart. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Our text verse we read, what did it say? It tells us that the broken spirit drives bones, a wounded spirit who can bear. We're talking about that broken spirit, and this verse tells us in Proverbs 15, 13, that a wounded heart is what breaks our spirit. So how does someone's heart get wounded? Well, we'll look at that in just a second, but have you ever seen someone come into the church or come into the workplace or, or come home and you see them and you say, hey, is everything all right? Now, some people, if we're being honest, are very good at hiding that sort of stuff, aren't they? Others can't hide it. They can't hide an emotion this much, right? We're all just made different. Some people, we, you know, some people, when they're sad, you can tell. Some people, when they're mad, you can tell, right? We're all different. Some of us are a little better about burying it deep down. Some of us like to hide it and hope that the person who's married to us will figure it out, right? Amen. Y'all can say amen right there. That's just the way it is. We're all different. But a broken heart is something that gets down. A broken spirit is something that gets down deep, and it comes through the sorrow of our hearts. And let's be honest. We've all felt sorrow, haven't we? But sometimes sorrow gets deep. Sometimes it gets so deep that it feels like there's nothing you can do to get it out. Today, we use words like depression. And that's exactly what the Bible's talking about. When it's talking about a broken spirit, it's talking about that depression, that deep... That's what to, de to depress is to push something down. You ever go to get your trash and you take the lid off and you push it down so you can put some more in? You're depressing, you're pushing it deeper down inside there, and that's what that word really means. And that's what it means when the wounds of a heart, those hurts of the heart, break our spirit. It is pushing down a feeling of heaviness, right? It's, it's biblical. Now, I know sometimes we've had a, especially in independent Baptist churches, we've adopted a mentality of, bless God, if you're right with God, you'll never feel depressed. Well, that ain't biblical. In fact, I can show you some men who, who were depressed and were more spiritual than I'll ever be. Amen? I mean, who saw great miracles of God. It wasn't that they didn't believe in God. They just had some heaviness, Right? It happens. It produces a sorrowful heart. It's characteristic. Not only that, but it produces a substantial heaviness. We're talking about it. Psalm chapter 69 and verse 20. The Bible says, Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. 
for comforters, but I found none. Psalm 69.20, he said, I was full of heaviness. Reproach had broken my heart. You hear that? The heart, the spirit. It had broken my heart. That pain, that, that sorrow had, had gotten down inside of me. And, and after it did, it filled me with heaviness. It's the characteristics of a broken spirit, a wounded spirit. It's someone who is, has, has a sorrowful heart that is, that is settled in with a substantial heaviness. Now sometimes, especially you know those of us who, who maybe, maybe had a dad who was a little tougher on us. And y'all have a dad who was, who was kind of a no-nonsense kind of guy. My dad was kind of that way. Now, he loved me. He was not abusive, but he was kind of a no-nonsense kind of guy. I remember my dad taking me aside one time when I was, I think, five years old. Or in five, no, fifth grade. I was in fifth grade. Wrong five. I've been in school, and I got in trouble. I got called on by the teacher about something, and, and uh, probably stepping on her feet or something. That was a big thing for me. I don't know. I was always awkward and clumsy. Yeah, I see the camera's like, he's clumsy. I mean, how many times have I injured myself in the last two and a half years? I fell down the steps and broke my glasses. I rolled my ankle, you know, all that stuff. It's just me. And uh, I come home that day, and I had gotten in trouble. And when I did, I broke down. I just, emotion welled up in me, and I couldn't hold it back. And I'm just, like, weeping. I wasn't, like, on the floor, but I was just weeping, tore up. And the teacher was like, it's okay. It's, it's not that big a deal. You know, you're just, you know, you just need to not do that anymore, whatever it was. And uh, word got back to my parents. You know, Paul's pretty upset at school today. My dad, y'all know my dad, I've met my dad, he pulled me aside and I said, son, I guess at five I was probably, you know, 10-ish, 10 or 11, somewhere in that range, and he said, there comes a time in a young man's life where he's got to quit crying over everything. Now, let me just clarify something. He told me, it is always appropriate to cry in church. I commend him for that, because he's right. It is. He said, but you're, you're going to be a man someday. If you're going to be a man, sometimes you're going to have to be the one who can bear it. Now, I believe that. I believe that's biblical. There's, you know, the Bible, when the Bible talks about uh, the woman being the weaker vessel, I believe part of that is sometimes that there's been plenty of times my wife has needed to lean on me, and I was hurting, and she was hurting, but I tried to be strong for her, right? We try to be strong for the people we love. Amen. But we can't always be strong. Because we're just not. When it all comes down to it, my strength is small. What I can bear, I need to learn not to just bear everything in life and by myself and all that. And, and that wasn't what my dad was trying to tell me. He's just trying to tell his 10-year-old son, son, you can't cry every time the teacher calls on you. Right? You need, you need to be able to just you need to be a tough, be tough. I never forgot that. I still cried every once in a while about some stuff on stage. But I never forgot that. But in this passage, what we see here is we see someone who's become overcome with sorrow. And we see that its characteristics are that some people, they, they have a sorrowful heart and they have substantial heaviness. And in some, it shows. But in others, it doesn't. But just because it's not showing doesn't mean it's not there. People walk in the back and sometimes I can see them and I can see the sorrow. I can see the trouble, the heaviness. Sometimes I can't see it at all. These are the characteristics of a wounded spirit. What about the causes of a wounded spirit? Sometimes it's caused by wounded sayings. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 8 says this, The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. 
hear that? The words of a talebearer. Say, so what's a talebearer? Someone who is bearing tales. Did you hear about blah, 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 blah? You hear something bad. It's always something bad, right? It's not talebearing if you're, if you're telling something good. I'll just tell you. You're saying, man, look at what God's done. That ain't talebearing. That's praising the Lord. That's being like Paul said in 2 Corinthians. That's my joy and your joy mixing. Now, talebearing is, is tearing one another down behind closed doors, right? It's like Paul said. Uh, he said, be careful if you bite and devour one another, lest you be consumed one of another in Galatians chapter 5. That's what he's talking about. He said, a talebearer, that the words of a talebearer, they, they are as wounds. Y'all ever seen a wound? Anybody ever sent you a picture of a wound? By the way, don't do that. Okay? Always ask. Group chats are the worst about that. Some, some guys, oh man, look what did did to my hand. They look and there's six bones sticking out of it. I don't want to see that. But you know what a wound is. It's open. It hurts. Bloody. That's what the words of a talebearer do. They cause wounds in us. And then it says this, they go down to the innermost parts of the belly. You know what that means? Word, you heard this? Words cut deep. You ever heard that? We always say sticking stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That's a lie. Some of us are tougher against words. That's true. None of us are immune. We say that again. Some of us are tougher against words. None of us are immune. And what we say matters. And who we say it to matters. Amen. Sometimes a joking thing tearing someone down, and that's our love language, isn't it? We love to jokingly rip each other to shreds, especially, especially some I know. Amen. Amen. I won't call any names right now. Amen. I won't call no names, brother. But some of us, you know, we, we really like to, you know, that's our, that's our love language. And you've got to learn that. I remember being a kid, and, you know, you get, you get offended. Do you know what they said about me? They say, if they didn't love you, they wouldn't pick on you. That's baloney. Look, let's adopt a new love language, okay? But, you know, you have to learn, you have to, you have to adapt to that a little bit. You got to get some thick skin and toughen up. Sometimes words cut us deep, even when we don't want them to. You may hit that one thing there. I remember one time my dad was preaching at a youth camp, and uh, there was a boy there, and my dad, you know, joking around, being, being him made a joking comment about something on his physical appearance. He didn't call him fat or anything like that. It was silly. It was a silly little thing. But what he did not know is that boy had a real issue about self-consciousness with that thing. And afterward, he was, he was wounded. Now, he was the kind of kid who wouldn't have went and said anything to dad about it, but they got word back to dad. And, I was, and my dad went to him and apologized. Because he didn't mean anything by it. He would never in a million years have said something to hurt that boy. You know what I mean? But I remember seeing that happen and, I, and seeing how that played out. Because if it had been me, you know, I felt like Dad would have been like, suck it up, you know. But I mean, probably not. Not if it was a real wound. But he saw it and he, and he saw that, oh, what I said actually hurt him. Even though I didn't mean for it to, it did. Because that's what words do sometimes. They go down. Sometimes wounds come from things people say or sayings, right? They go down deep into our bellies. And sometimes it's hard to get them back out. Psalm 52 two says this. The tongue divides mischiefs like a sharp razor, it calls it. The tongue calls it a sharp razor. Sometimes our words are cutting. Sometimes we, we're looking at the causes. We're talking about the causes of this diagnosis, the wounded sayings. Let's see, wounding situations. Psalm 42, verse 10, and the first part of verse 11 says this. 
As with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Why? Sometimes we enter into situations in our life where we don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what's going to happen with our job. We don't know what's going to happen with our family. And sometimes when we're going through those things, we develop wounds in our spirit that can drag us down, right? When, we, when things don't go the way you thought they were going to go. I never thought I'd be burying my best friend last year. I never thought I would. I never thought the year that I got married that my wife's parents would go through a separation and the, the man who, mar- who, who did our marriage ceremony would then get divorced within a year of us getting married. As a young man, can you imagine what that did to us? What we thought? What she thought? The pinnacle of her whole life of what she thought a perfect marriage was suddenly fell apart? And you go through things in life. That's what happens. And when you go through things in life, which by the way, all of us do, every Christian and every sinner, we go through things in life. Sometimes we, we lose people that we love. Sometimes jobs don't work out. Sometimes relationships don't work out. Sometimes situations go sour. And when they're done, we're left with wounds that will never go away until we reach the other side. Not completely. I've got a spot on my finger right here from something real stupid that I did with a butter knife and two frozen pieces of sausage. It still hurts. Thumping it like that, it's like an electric shock where I sawed them nerves off with a butter knife. I know that might be graphic. I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to be graphic. It still hurts. I wonder if it'll ever stop. My dad always told a story about this finger. He's got one finger where it's hard as a rock and kind of knotted up looking. Where he climbed up in a tree and fell out and cut it, cut it up real bad on a piece of glass when he was a kid. And even now, it's all... Y'all got scars like that? I got spots back here on the back of my head if I get a... Real close haircut, you can see them where we were hit by a drunk driver when I was three. My knee's been killing me lately. I'm pretty sure to this day I have pain in that knee because one time at a church picnic, I was pushing one of the merry-go-rounds, you know, the ones you... And there's a girl, she wasn't holding on real good. And I didn't know it till she flew off. And you know, those kids like, push us, bro. I mean, I'm a big dude, so I'm pushing, pushing all these little kids. This girl, she couldn't have weighed more than 100 pounds. But when her whole body come into my knee right there and it went in, oh yeah, it still pops. When I go up the steps, it sounds like I'm uh, cracking bones in my knee every time I go up a step. You know, One day that's going to turn back on me. Because sometimes wounds, even when they heal, they stick around. Because they go down deep in us. And situations can wound us. You know what else can wound us? Sin. We had a little Q&A session yesterday, and one of the questions that was asked was, was the Apostle Paul ever punished by God for the things he did before he got saved? You know, he was murdering. He was basically murdering Christians. He was considering the murder of Stephen and, and all, other, all these other things, and they talked about that because, you know, we all have sins. Now, I don't believe God punished Paul, and that's what, that's what some of those men said, because when we're, when we're saved, our sins are washed away. But I think Paul did punish himself. He called himself the chief of sinners. I can't remember if it was dad or brother Tony said something to the effect of that they believe one of the reasons he went after the Jews so strongly was because he had persecuted those Jewish Christians. I think Paul never got over the image of seeing Stephen looking up toward heaven and 
praying that God would not lay the sin to his charge. Sin. Y'all ever think back to things you've done? You hear a certain song. You pass by a certain place. You see a certain person. And suddenly all those thoughts come flooding back in of the wicked things that you did. Sin, it wounds us. I was mentioning there in 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 1, Paul's talking there in 1 Corinthians to them about that man. He said, it is reported commonly that there's fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. That's what was going on in the church of Corinth. There was a man who they all knew and everybody knew that he was committing fornication with his father's wife. Now that's pretty messed up. Now I'm assuming it would have been essentially a stepmother, not because the way it's phrased, his father's wife, but that's an assumption. Either way, it's wicked. Amen. And ye are puffed up. He talks to them how they're, they're not handling correctly. He said, you've not mourned. That he hath done this deed might be taken away from you. For I verily is absent the body, but present the Spirit have judged already as though I were present concerning him that has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. That man was committing a terrible sin. He told the church, y'all don't even care. Y'all aren't even bothered that this is going on and you're doing nothing about it. He said, now I'm just going to go ahead and tell you God's not happy with it. It's wicked and it needs to be dealt with and you need to put him out that the devil will destroy his flesh if he refuses to repent. And then we get to 2 Corinthians. And obviously things have changed. I believe there was repentance. Now things aren't perfect, but I believe there was repentance and he told them again, as we read in 2 Corinthians, we read it there in verse number 6 of 2 Corinthians 2. He said, sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many which means many of those people in Corinth obeyed what Paul said and they went to him and they said, this ain't right, we're not going to stand by it and if you won't repent, you can't be in here. It almost sounds like he's sitting in the pew with her. Kind of like the one who came in there into the tent with the harlot and Phineas took that spear and stabbed them both through to the ground. It's a very kind of similar situation, just open sin. Say it's something if you dare, sort of kind. And they went to him and they dealt with it. And then... He began to feel sorrowful, sorrowful for that sin. And Paul told him this, he said, you need to forgive him. So the contrary, I said, you ought to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Sin can wound us. And it can drag us down. He had overmuch sorrow. You know what he was doing? He was looking at what he had done. He said, my soul, what was I doing? How did I get to that place? And now look, is what, look at my life because of the sin that I have done. Look at what is now happening. Paul told him, y'all need to go to him and love him and forgive him because if you don't, he's going to be swallowed up. Sin causes wounds in us. We often refer to them as scars, don't we? Sin scarred. We think about the things we've done, the things we've said, the places where we've gone. And it haunts us. You ever lay down at night and start thinking about terrible things that you did when you were younger or, or maybe even right now that you may be doing? And it hurts because sin wounds us. This is the diagnosis of a broken and wounded 
Spirit. Let me show you the detriment of a wounded spirit. Let me be quick through this next part. We read that, five, that first verse there in, in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22, where it said, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but then it said that, that the bones, a broken spirit drieth the bones. I looked, I was like, that's strange. I thought about what, what's a dry bone? I want you to see the detriment of a wounded spirit. When we think about our bones, we know that inside of our bones is what's called bone marrow. It's a spongy sort of substance, it is, but it is more liquid than it is solid. And I thought, well, a bone that's getting dried out, that's the marrow being dried out. I thought, what does that bone marrow really do? Physically, how does it affect us? What's it do for us? And I went and read, and, and I've got a quote, a quote here from the UCSF Benioff Children's Hospital. They said that our bone marrow manufactures bone marrow stem cells and other substances, which in turn produce blood cells. Each type of blood cell made by the bone marrow has an important job. Y'all have learned about this in school. The red blood cells carries oxygen to the tissues in the body, your muscles and throughout your whole body. Platelets, which are produced by bone marrow, stop bleeding. They help clot the blood, so it keeps you from bleeding out. White blood cells produced by your bone marrow fights infections. It gets out things that shouldn't be there, sicknesses and such. So if we take that, that thought, of a broken spirit drying out our bones and how it affects us, there is obviously given a parable. This is like a parabolic parable. We're, we're given a, a parabolic proverb, excuse me, if I can use words, parabolic proverb of how they're saying that this is like this, right? A broken spirit, a wounded spirit, it's like some bones that have been dried and they've lost what makes them good, what makes them strong. So what does it do? A wounded spirit. What's a broken spirit do? How does it hurt us? Well, first it makes us wounded. Just like our bone marrow produces red blood cells and without it we cannot produce oxygen throughout our body. When our bodies and our, our bodies fight against that way, when our spirit fights against us and we are down and low in spirit, we just can't go like we used to. You know what they say is a, one of the number one signs of depression? An increase in sleep. All you want to do is sleep. They don't want to get out of bed, right? They're winded. They got no stamina. They got no drive. They got no energy. You ever been out of shape? You ever been out of shape and then said, you know what, I'm going to get in shape. Went outside and used to jog a mile in 15 minutes, no problem. I'm going to go out and jog a mile. Three minutes in, you're like, holy cow, I am going to die. You been like that? Winded. I mean, just <gasps> sucking air, your side's hurting, you just, you just don't have the stamina you can't do it like you used to. You're just, just tired. You're just weaker. And you, you, your body is, your mind wants to do it, but your body is fighting against you. Well, that's what it's like when you've got a wounded spirit. Maybe in your mind you want to serve God and you know what's right and you want to keep going, but you've just got no spiritual stamina. You're winded. But you can't keep up anymore. Even just getting up and going to church three times a week seems like an insurmountable task. Because your heart and your spirit are so wounded, you just, I just need, I just need to rest. I just need time. I just can't catch my breath. Right? It's, it wins us. It makes us winded. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 talks about that running, right? Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You cannot run when you're winded. You will run out. You will 
be beset. You will be hindered. You did run well. Who did hinder you? A broken spirit will prevent you from running well. That's the first way it hurts you. What else? It, not only does it leave us winded, it leaves us wounded. It hurts us. And that, that windedness, we can compare it to those red blood cells putting that, that, those, 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 the oxygen to our body and giving us that energy and strength. And, and spiritually, it does the same thing. A, a healthy spirit will give us strength to go on for God. But a wounded, uh, a wounded and dried bones physically will reduce the amount of platelets, which means if we get hurt, it's much harder to heal. Even a simple cut on your finger could bleed and bleed and bleed and bleed, and if something doesn't happen, it won't stop on its own if your body does not produce the platelets required to stop it. You have to rub something in there to make it stop because your body can't do it itself. It's the same way with your spirit. That when we have a broken spirit, you know what we are? Easier to wound and harder to heal. Someone who's already been wounded, it is much easier to cut them, amen, and when they've been cut, it is much harder for them to get over that. I told you when we started, and I know I've already been 30 minutes. Please bear with me. I told you in the beginning, I want you to ask yourself this very simple question. Is that you? Have you ever been wounded like that? Are you maybe dealing with some, some sayings, some words people have said, or, or some situations in your life that, are, that you did not expect that you're having to deal with, or, or maybe even some sin that is hurting you? that you can't get over. And every time you try to get a little better, it's like it just gets opened back up. And it's not healing. Why? Because you've got a broken spirit. Because you've got a wounded spirit. It dries the bones. It, takes, it makes us winded. It takes us and it makes us wounded. It takes us and it, it leaves us weakened. Those white blood cells, you know what they do? They fend off the things that are coming to hurt us. We were talking over here about them stomach bugs earlier. God, help Last thing on earth I want is a stomach bug. I need them white blood cells in extra power when the bug is going around. But you know what? When we don't have those white blood cells like we need, every little sickness that comes along, it hits us full blast. We're weak to it. Can't beat it. Can't overcome it. In the very passages we read there in 2 Corinthians, verse 8, Paul's talking to him. He said, confirm your love toward that man. He said, to this end that I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also for if I forgive anything. To whom I forgive it for your sakes, forgave I it. And the person of Christ said this, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We're supposed to be protected from Satan and him attacking us by this simple fact that we know from the Word of God. The joy of the Lord is our what? It's our what? Our strength. Bones dried out by spiritual wounds leave us weakened. We've got no joy. And when we've got no joy, and the attacks of the devil come, and how do they come? Well, they come with sayings. When someone says that hurtful thing, it ain't because God wanted them to tearing each other down, biting and devouring. That's not the Lord. It comes from situations. Sometimes things rise up in our life. Look at the life of Job. Now, not everything bad that happens in our life is some working of Satan. But look in the life of Job. Guess what? It was. It was the devil that put him in those situations. And sometimes the devil may put things in our path to trip us up and hurt us. And guess what? If, we're, if we have a broken spirit, 
then we're one step away from falling out. One step away from staying down. One step away when those sins, those temptations, which wherewith we are all tempted, right? When they rise up, when we're weakened in our spirit, we just fall every time. Why can't I get victory over one sin in my life? How's your spirit? How's your joy? Have you allowed the sayings and the sins and the situations in your life to tear you down? Are you overcome with a, with a, with a heaviness that is substantial? With a sorrow that is deep down in your heart? Because if you have, here's what you need to understand. The devil knows it. You ever hear that joke? We're out hunting and there's a bear. I don't have to be. I don't have to outrun the bear. I just got to outrun you. You know why? Because the predator picks off the weakest amongst the bunch. And that's not, a, that's not a slur against them. He looks at the one and if they're wounded, oh, he is walking about, walking about, wandering around, looking. The Bible says, as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's what Peter said. That's what he's doing. He's looking for that one who's wounded. He's looking for that one who's been cut. He's looking for that one who's in the situations of heaviness and sorrow. He's going to try and pick you off. That's what he wants to do. We're weakened. We've seen the diagnosis. Is that you? Are you here this morning? Are you wounded? Is that you? We see the detriment. Obviously, we can see the dangers and the, the harm that a wounded spirit can do to an individual. It can take you and turn you into someone you never thought you would be. A weak, winded individual. Your, 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 your husband can't count on you. Your kids can't count on you. Your church can't count on you. Your wife can't count on you. And suddenly, you don't know who you are compared to who you used to be. And you wonder why. It's because your spirit's broken. It's broken. What are you going to do? I want you to see, lastly, the defeat of a wounded spirit. How can we overcome our wounded spirit? First, some of you right here, right now, might be listening and saying, well, Brother Paul, this ain't me. Honestly, things are going pretty good for me right now. God's blessing me. My life is good. My marriage is good. My home is good. Things are good at church. Every, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm in a good place right now, and I, and I appreciate your message. It's ain't for me. Well, let me, let me warn you. It's coming. There are mountains. There are valleys. Up ahead, there is coming a day when the devil's devices are coming to your door. And in the evil day, we need to, having done all, to stand. That's what the Bible says, right? So you need to understand this. The first way we defeat it is by resisting it. Brother Randy, sometimes people say things to me and it's hurtful. Sometimes they mean it, sometimes they don't. And when I hear those things, I try to remember in my mind, Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And when my heart feels hurt by it, you know what I do? I go to God and I pray, God, will you help me to get over this? Will you protect me from letting this wound me? You can do that. Now, sometimes I think we take a wound in and we say, you know what, I'm going to nurture this and I'm going I'm to turn this into something where I can carry it like a badge. Amen, let's be honest. 
We can resist that. You do know that. Say, well, I'm just not that way. Well, it's time to be that way. It's time like my dad had to pull me aside and say, look, sometimes, son, you've just got to be tough. Sometimes we got to look at God and say, God, this is hurting me. Will you help me? And resist it. And sometimes we can stave off a wound. It'll be a little scratch, right? Or we can let it sit and fester. We can resist it. We can fight it off. We can do that. Proverbs 25, 28 said, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that's broken down and without walls. So when we won't even control our own emotions and spirits and we let them run rampant, it can take us to a dark place, but we can resist that. So if you're here this morning and say, well, that's not me, let me warn you. When the wound comes to your door, ask God to help you with it. Amen? Go to God in prayer. Read your Bible. Go to, come to the preacher. Come to, to, the, to the deacon. Come to the Sunday school teacher. Go to your brother or your sister or your husband or your wife and say, will you pray with me? I, I, I don't want to let this bother me. Will you help me? Amen? You can resist it. But I believe there's many right now who it's too late for that. So how, is, how do we defeat the wounded spirit? Not only by resisting it, but by releasing it. The truth is, we hold on to those things like a grudge. We want that wound to stay. Now we would say, no, I don't, but the truth is, we, every time it gets a little close to, to, to being healed or letting go, we just grab it and we hold it. Or we do, like I was saying, we say, well, I, I'm a man, I can handle it. I'm a, I, I'm a mom, I can handle it. I, I'll, just, I'll just suck it up and, and, and I'll just pretend it's not here, but that don't work either. Repressing it and putting... That's not going to fix it. Repressing it will not make it go away. When I told you you could resist it, that's by going to God. Seeking the joy of the Lord. Trying to beat it before it beats you, right? But you cannot repress it. You cannot just shoulder it and go on. It is too much for you. You know how I know? One of the most well-known, most well-quoted things that the Lord Jesus ever said. We sing songs about it in Matthew Chapter number 11 and verse number 28. The Lord Jesus looking out amongst a crowd where the Bible said He knew their hearts. You know what it said? That He don't look on the countenance. He looks on the heart. And the Lord Jesus looked out over and over again. They'd be thinking things. He said He knew what they were thinking in their hearts. He knew what was in their heart. He looked out whether they were good at hiding it or not. Doesn't matter. He's in the middle of talking. And in chapter 11, He gets down there to the final couple chapters, verses in verse number 28. And He totally switches gear. And he looks out and He says this. Come unto Me. All. Ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. They said this take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And they said this, and ye shall find rest for your souls. You know who has no rest? Someone with open wounds. How can they have rest? They're suffering. They're full of heaviness. They're sorrowful. So how can we have rest for our souls? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's only one way we can take his yoke and his burden on us, and that is by releasing ours. He said this, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus is plainly telling us in that verse, come to Him, lay our burdens down, take on His yoke because His yoke is easy and only then can we find rest with our souls. But let's be honest, sometimes, sometimes it's easier to say that than it is to do it. 
I think about that, and I think about that yoke of Christ and how it's so easy. But I think about my yoke. It's not. It's not easy. The burden of life, it's not easy. Now, I know the way of a transgressor is hard, but let's just be honest. Sometimes life ain't easy. It ain't easy to go through the hard things we go through. It ain't easy to, to bury your loved ones. It's not easy to, to endure a broken relationship or a broken heart. It's not easy to endure the suffering of, of our body and, and the loss of things in our life we thought would be good. It's not easy. It's hard. And that's why the Lord is saying, come to me and take my yoke. My yoke is easy. I consider that. How we're to release our sorrows and our sins, our heaviness, and instead take on His burden. And Jesus tells us plainly, come and do that. But look with me, if you will, Matthew chapter 26, just a few chapters later. Verse 36, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and said unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and began, look at this, to be sorrowful and very heavy. Who did? The Lord Jesus. But he said his burden was light. Didn't he? And he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. You know what he wanted, I think, in that moment is he wanted, like Paul was saying, for their joy to be an encouragement to him and his joy to be an encouragement to them. And that's why he brought his three closest friends with him. He said, Will you go with me? You stay here and pray. We can read on how he goes a little further. He falls on his face. He prays, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh back to, he cometh to his disciples, and he findeth them asleep. And saith unto Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Say, so why are you reading that? Well, Jesus said that his burden was light. He said his yoke was easy. But here he is so laden down and heavy that the Bible says he is exceeding sorrowful. And he even said, even unto death. He said, this is so heavy and so sorrowful that it could kill me. Jesus said that. How is that possible? That wasn't his burden. I can prove it. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. We look at him and we think, look at him. Look how burdened down he is. He's afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement, look at this, the chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. How can we defeat our wounds when relationships are broken? When things don't go the way with mom and dad or our children the way we want them to. How can we defeat our wounds when, when our jobs don't go the way we want or, or this falls apart or this hurts us? or that? How can we defeat our wounds? By understanding this. He 
will carry them for us. In fact, He already did. And you know what He said? He said, I'm heavy, I'm exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. But He never succumbed. He carried the burden. Isn't that what the old song says? Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. And my song shall ever be. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. The verse says, He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them His very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How can that be our song? Because He bore our burden to Calvary. He says, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The chastisement of our peace was laid on Him. Our peace is possible. Our rest is possible. Because He bore sorrow. He bore griefs. He bore suffering so that we would not have to. Not that we will not face these things in our lives, but that when we do, He says, come, let me carry that for you. And that a Christian who is saved can come and they can release their sorrows to the God of heaven because He says, my yoke is easy. Learn of me. My burden is light. Why do we become overcome with heaviness? Why do we become wounded by sorrow? Why do we become beat down? Because we won't release it. We carry it ourselves. Miss Brandy. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.